begin with tonight, I want you to ask a question of your neighbor. So I need you to turn and say, neighbor. And if you don't have a neighbor like particularly close to you, you can just kind of ask this question to yourself. But if you have a neighbor nearby, I want you to ask your neighbor this question. Neighbor, if you could live anywhere, if you could live anywhere on earth, where would you choose to live? What would be your dream place to live? Ask your neighbor that and listen to their answer. So what are some what are some that you guys feel passionate about? Where would you live? Let me hear a couple. You said Rome? Rome, Italy? Yeah, what else? Cleveland? Ohio? Canada? Scotland? Ooh, Jamaica's nice. What else? The mountains? All right, all right, bring it in. Nobody said Memphis? Not one person? No, breaking my heart. All right, so when we think about the places that we want to live, the places that you're like, man, I would want to settle here and just do my life here. I would want to raise a family here. I could just kick it here. The place we want to live versus the place we want to visit like for just a short time. Like I'd like to visit there. I don't know that I would want to live there, right? Again, y'all, y'all breaking my heart. None of y'all said Memphis. Maybe someday, Lord will give you a heart for Memphis, or at least you'll come visit Memphis and come visit Pastor Matt and Jackie and come see us. Uh, but yeah, the places, the places we want to live. Like, man, I would love to live there. Versus, yeah, I'd like to see it. But maybe not live there. Maybe not stay there. Like maybe you guys have traveled somewhere uh, where it's like, man, this is really cool. In fact, there's a there's a phrase people say that it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there, right? Like it's cool to be there for a minute, but I wouldn't necessarily want to be here for every minute. Like if you go to then go to Orlando, visit the Magic Kingdom. Like it's fun for a couple of days, but it's also very expensive. And you're like, man, okay, it was a fun for a few days, but I could never afford to live here. That's not sustainable. That's not realistic. Some of the places you listed also are going to be expensive to live there, but y'all are going to get some killer jobs. Uh, so you're going to be just fine. But there's these places we think of in terms of I would like to live there, be there forever. There's other places we say, I'd like to be okay. I'd be okay being there for a short amount of time, right? But, but maybe not for a really long amount of time. Uh, and how we think about a place, um, it determines how we interact with it, how we interact with the place, with the culture, with the people there. If we think, oh, I'm going to be here for a minute versus oh, I'm just passing through. I don't really need to make a new best friend because I'm only going to be here for a week, right? And, and how we view a place and our role in it, how transient are we in relation to this place that God has us in this season, right? Are we going to be here for a while, or, or is, are we just passing through and where we really want to live somewhere else? And so we're just going to look to that. So tonight we're going to talk about, we're talking about influence, right? We're continuing our series about influence. We're going to talk about the influence that you can have and the difference that you can make by really living somewhere, like really living there, not just passing through, not just visiting, but really living somewhere. Um, instead of just passing through like a tourist, I'm just on my way to somewhere else. Man, God can use you to make a tremendous impact. God can use you to be an influence if you view the place where he has you right now as, okay, I'm going to really live here. I'm really going to make the most of this. We've been going through a series uh, all this semester called Influencers, looking at major figures of the Old Testament, uh, talking about how God used them to be tremendous people of influence and what we can learn from them and things that we can do uh, to make an impact for God's kingdom, for God's glory, to leave a lasting 
legacy, right? Not to be like a, an Instagram influencer or a, a YouTuber, right? To make a lasting, eternal impact for the kingdom of God. Uh, and again, if you've listened to some of those messages, you've missed others, all those are available on the Calpha Memphis podcast channel. You can go, go check them out. And we have just a few more uh, before we wrap up the semester, um, but talking about influencers. And tonight, we're going to continue the series looking at the prophet Jeremiah. You guys heard of this guy, Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, is the prophet, uh, the man of God, the, the person there in the Old Testament we're going to look at tonight. What do you need to know about Jeremiah to jump in? So we talked about Elijah uh, last week, and we talked about the state of the kingdom of Israel uh, during Elijah's ministry. Um, we see a series of increasingly wicked kings. Uh, the kingdom of Israel is split to a northern kingdom uh, of Israel and then a southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, and, and there's a few good kings sprinkled in there that lead the people back towards God, but the vast majority are wicked kings that are leading people into idolatry. They're bringing in foreign gods uh, to worship, and they're leading the people into sin. So God is sending a series of prophets uh, to speak to the people, to call them out of sin, out of idolatry. Say, hey man, turn away from that stuff. Turn back to the Lord. Come back to God. We talked about last week uh, the message of the Old Testament prophets. If you could sum it up in just a couple ideas, it would be turn away from your idols and turn back to God. And if you don't, there's going to be a judgment coming. God loves you and he wants to bring you back. And, and warning people away from their sins, warning people away from their idolatry. Well, Jeremiah, I mean, has a very similar ministry to the other Old Testament prophets in that regard. Jeremiah is ministering during a time, again, of these wicked kings. Um, and so the, 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 the prophets come and they say, hey, God loves you. He wants you to turn back to him. He wants you to turn away from these idols, which are not really gods at all. And you're just bringing destruction on yourself. And, and if you continue to pursue sin and idolatry, it's going to bring judgment upon you. There's going to be judgment. So these prophets again and again are telling of a coming judgment. That judgment may look like um, a famine in the land. It may look like an, uh, another neighboring nation invading and conquering you. And, uh, and this is exactly what happens. The northern kingdom falls. Uh, to military invasion of, of a neighboring kingdom. So all that's left is the kingdom of Judah, right? With Jerusalem there, the kingdom of Judah. Uh, and this is when Jeremiah uh, is a prophet. This is when he's serving in pro prophetic ministry. And he's saying that same message. You guys have got to turn away from your sins and turn back to God. And he would give this illustration at the beginning of his book, uh, that God was a fountain of living water. Saying you can come and drink from God and be satisfied. Some of you guys remember we talked about this last semester. Can, can drink deeply from God. He wants to satisfy those deep desires of your heart. But man, our human nature is we keep snubbing God, turning away from that fountain of living water and digging holes in the ground, uh, looking for water that's not really going to satisfy at all. And, and, and just the course of human history is us again and again turning to things that can't really satisfy us and turning away from God. Well, Jeremiah says, turn back to God, turn back to God and leave these sins, leave these idols behind, turn back to God. God loves you. But pursuing these idols is just going to bring destruction upon you, just going to bring judgment upon you. And, and he prophesies that, that if they continue to persist this way, that Judah as well will be conquered uh, and taken into captivity. There's so much we could say about Jeremiah, right? If we we're just going to go based on word count, Jeremiah's book is the longest book in the Old Testament, right? There's a lot there. But so for the purpose of tonight, I want to really just zero in, zero in on one main idea about Jeremiah. But as you look at Jeremiah's story, uh, of course, God calls him uh, at, at a young age. He gives him this prophetic voice uh, to speak to God's people. And some of those ideas we've touched upon already. Another interesting thing about Jeremiah, he was one of God's prophets like Hosea, that God would call him to do really strange things. 
like strange behavioral life choices. Hey, do this kind of strange thing. I want you to do this for a few months. I want you to do this for a couple of years. Uh, and it sounds kind of odd, but the thing that he would do would be a, a visual illustration of God's uh, relationship with the people. So he'd say, hey, Jer- Jeremiah, I want you to do this, uh, and it's going to be really strange, but your life is going to be a living illustration, a living sermon lesson uh, to the people's unfaithfulness to God and how they're turning away from God uh, and not trusting in the Lord. So he, he's one of the prophets that God would use that way. Um, and Jeremiah was also there not just to, to, to prophesy the judgment that would come upon uh, uh, Judah, come upon Jerusalem, but he lived it. Man, he, he was there to see Jerusalem destroyed. He was there to see God's people uh, invaded by Babylon and taken into captivity. Um, and so one of the most famous passages in the book of Jeremiah is going to be our focus tonight. And so this is after Babylon uh, has invaded, conquered Jerusalem, and and they've taken many of the people into captivity as captives, exiles there uh, in Jerusalem. God has Jeremiah write a letter to the exiles, those people that are captive in Jerusalem. The text is going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29. So those of you guys that have your Bibles, the text will be behind me as well. Jeremiah chapter 29. So again, these prophets have been promising again and again, you guys have got to turn away from your sin, turn away from your idolatry. You're bringing destruction upon yourself, uh, bringing God's judgment upon yourself. And, and one of the forms this judgment would take would be an invading kingdom, a neighboring kingdom, specifically Babylon that would invade, would conquer you and take you into captivity. And this is exactly what happens. Uh, Babylon attacks, conquers Israel uh, and, and destroys Jerusalem and then takes the best and brightest back to Babylon as captives. Not everybody, but a lot of people would take the best artisans, the best governors, the best leaders, um, and the, the aristocrats, the ruling class would take, take a lot of these really big, important people and then took them back as captives uh, to Babylon. And, and yeah, the people that were left behind, they were left in, in ruins. There was not a lot there to get excited about. Um, but, but this is what, so, so Jeremiah not only prophesied that, he also lived through it. He lived through it, um, and he was grieved by it to see the destruction because the people did not turn away from their idols. Right? Spoiler, right, for when you read it. The people did not turn away from their sins. They did not turn back to God. And, and so this judgment came upon them. And so, man, uh, a huge portion um, man, man, of, of the Israelites are taken into captivity uh, there in Babylon. Uh, and they have to live there for a while. Um, and so, man, uh, another tough thing is that Jeremiah wasn't the only only prophet on the payroll at that time, right? There were also other false prophets that were giving false messages at that same time saying, hey, Babylon's not going to be so bad. In fact, we're just going to be there like a year or two. So you don't even really need to unpack, right? It's going to be fine. We're going to be back in Jerusalem before before no time, right? It's going to be fine. We're going to go to Babylon for a little bit and we're going to be right back. Uh, Jeremiah's word from the Lord is, no, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time, y'all. It's going to be about 70 years. What that means is most of y'all aren't coming back. Right? Your children, your grandchildren may see Jerusalem again. Uh, majority of you are going to die in Babylon. And so and, and, and his letter here to the exiles we're going to read in chapter 29 is both encouraging them and then preparing them for that reality. No, you're going to be here a while, 70 years. And so this is how you need to live uh, in accordance to that. This is how God uh, is going to want you to live and how God's going to want to use you there. So we're going to start Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people. Nebuchadnezzar, that was the the king there in Babylon, had carried into exile from Jerusalem 
to Babylon. This is after the king uh, Jehoiakim and the queen mother and the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Saphan, and to Jamariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to, uh, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Uh, so this is set up. Basically, Jer- Jeremiah has, has written a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's sending it uh, to be read to those exiles uh, that are there captive in Babylon. Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he says, okay, you're in, you're in exile now. Just as I promised, judgment has come, and now you find yourselves as captives in a place you're not trying to live. We said at, the, said at the front, where would you like to live? This is a place none of them were hoping to live. None of them said, man, I really hope to live in Babylon as a captive someday. Right? That, that's my dream. No, none of them wanted to be there. But this is the letter uh, that God writes them of instruction, how he's going to use them there. Verse 5 says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. What he says is you're going to be here a while, so you do need to go ahead and unpack. More so, make this city your home. I've got four points here from the text, and that's the first one. God says make this city your home. It's not where anyone was trying to be. None of them wanted to be there, but God says all the same, make this city your home. I mean, you can't see it as just a place you're passing through if you really want to be used by God there. If you really want to be uh, an impact and influence, make a difference there. You can't be like, well, I'm just kind of eating and fucking, you know, head back to Jerusalem. No, you've actually got to live there. You've actually got to have houses there and settle down and plant gardens and you've got to marry and, and, and have children and have grandchildren. Make this city your home. Do not exclude yourself from your community and don't isolate yourself. God has you there for a reason, right? And for you too as well. I mean, some of you guys, maybe Memphis was not your first choice or even third or fourth choice, right? But God has you here and, and you can be confident God has you here for a purpose, for a reason. Wherever God sends you from here, he'll have you there as well uh, for his purpose uh, and his sovereignty, uh, and he wants you to see that place. Okay, I actually want to live here, right? I'm not just passing through. This is not a temporary thing, but I need to make this my home. I need to uh, live here. I need to engage. God has me here uh, for a specific reason. As, I mean, as believers, then that specific reason for many of you is to be a light to the people around you and to share the gospel with people around you that are far from God, that don't know the Lord. Again, it may not be where you were hoping to be, Maybe we're not where you're choosing to be. Uh, you, some of you guys are in dorms with roommates. That, and this is not the human being you would have chose to live with for 10 months, right? If you could pick from all the people, maybe you're not trying to be here, but God has you there for a really specific reason. Um, and when I went off to college, uh, I, I just really become serious about my faith in high school. I really fell in love with Jesus, and I was praying, God, would you give me a Christian roommate when I get to college, right? No one I knew was really going where I was going to school, so I didn't, I didn't have any friends going in. But I was like, God, I think it would be really cool to have a Christian roommate. I was having a conversation with God. Wouldn't that be cool to have a Christian roommate, God? Um, and so this is something I was really praying about. Um, did God give me a Christian roommate? No, he did not, right? So, so I'm living with this guy, and, and I mean, we got along okay, uh, but he didn't love the Lord. So he did not have the same values that I had, right? He was not excited about the same things that I was, right? He had different priorities, being there a uh, freshman at the university, uh, party-centric uh, priorities that I did not have, right? And so that was a source of conflict. But also, and during the course 
of that year, Justin and I living together, we got to have conversations about God you know, late night, laying there in our little bunk bed, right? Talking about the Lord, <laughs> talking about God. I wasn't the only one sharing with him, right? There were some other guys God placed in his life to share the gospel with him. But by the end of that school year, he came to Jesus, right? And later I ref- you know, reflected on that. Uh, and he's still loving the Lord, man. I, I still follow him and his family on Facebook. He's still going hard for Jesus. We don't have to say how many years later. He, but my choice was not to live with this guy, right? My, my choice was, God, give me a Christian roommate because that's going to be nice and easy. But God, God had a better plan. And I would think, how selfish of me, right? Uh, the, the, to, to think that I, want, I wanted that because it would be good for me, convenient for me, comfortable for me. But God, God had another plan. And it, it was to bring Justin into the family of God, bring Justin into the kingdom. Um, so wherever God has you, man, a good chance is there to be a light. Uh, man, man, they're there to share the gospel. They're to bring the light of Jesus. Now, let's look at this verse. This is Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 26, talking about how God places us where he wants us in the world and what, for what reason. Acts 17, verse 26. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. God has placed you in your community so that other people can hear the gospel. God has placed you wherever in the world he's placed you. For for those of you guys in this season, it's Memphis, Tennessee, United States, North America. Y'all may not be here forever, but he's got you here now, and he has a purpose in it so that people can find God. Right, there's people around you that are seeking for God. They want to know God. They're, they're grasping. And the Bible promises God's not far from any of us, but some people are just so lost uh, and blinded by their sin or, or, or the things they're bound up in. Uh, they're trying to find God and can't quite find him. God has placed you there to be that light to them, to share the good news of the gospel, the hope you found in Jesus so that, man, that you know, Holy Spirit can draw them into that close relationship with God. He's placed you there. Again, you may not want to be there, but he's placed you there. He decided beforehand, man, this is where I want this guy. This is where I want this lady for his purposes and for his glory, to engage the community, to really live there. And what that's going to mean for us is not just viewing ourselves as just travelers passing through, right? Oh, I'm just here for, for a semester. Oh, I'm just here for another year or two, and then I'm moving on to bigger, better things, right? Then I'm going to move to man, wherever some of the places you called out, hopefully, if you can afford it. Um, but, but, but no, really live here. Say, okay, God, this season you had me at Memphis. Uh, God, help me to really engage, really be present, really be aware of the people you put around me that you want me to love and build a relationship with and share the gospel with. Um, God, help me not to just have my, my vision locked on bigger, better things, what comes next, but, but, say, but just be present and live in this moment. Say, okay, God, you've got me here for a season. I don't know how long it is, but while I'm here, and let me settle down. Let me engage the culture. Let me connect um, God, God, use me here in this season. You have me here. Let's continue with Jeremiah's letter, verse 7. He says, also, so he said, I want you to, to get married, build a house, raise some kids, because you're going to be here a while. But also this, verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Seek the good of the city that I've carried you into exile. Now, this one's wild because this is the enemy city, right? They've been captured, right? They're, they're captives. They're exiles. They did not choose to be here. God says, I want you to, to seek the good of the city. Make that city a place that is peaceful and prosperous. It makes me think of Jesus talking about love your enemies, right? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Like, God, this city, though? Like, I can see seeking the good of Jerusalem, but I can't really see seeking the good of Babylon. Uh, he, says, he says that. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city that I've carried you into. 
in exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And you're going to be living here for 70 years, right? Like your, your fate and the city's fate are entwined. So you want to seek the good of the city because that's going to be good for you and for your family. Yes, this is what the Lord, the Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, declares the Lord. So there's going to be some people that are telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, we're not going to be in Babylon that long. By next spring, we'll be back home. Um, and man, we'll be, we'll be kicking in Jerusalem. We'll be re- rebuilding the walls. Don't even worry about it. Don't even sweat it. Just don't listen to them, right? They're telling you what they think you want to hear. And some of you guys have people in your life that maybe they just tell you what you want to hear. And how much more valuable is a real friend that's going to speak the truth and love, even if it's a hard truth, even if it's a hard word, man, that, that's a good friend. That, that's a good, some of you guys have a family member that's just going to tell you the truth, uh, even if it's difficult. Um, but that's better than the person just saying what you want to hear that's just, just deceiving you. He says, man, don't listen to that. Man, don't listen to the prophets that say, ah, don't even worry about it. You're not going to be here that long. He says, that, that's not a good attitude. And also, you're never going to make a difference with that kind of attitude. Right? You want to be an influence to the people around you, then you've really got to connect. You've got to engage. You can't look past them and over their heads at the next thing, the next thing you're moving on to. It says, man, you really need to seek the prosperity and the good of where I have you. So that's point number two is going to be that. Seek the good of the city, the good of the city, the good of the campus, the good of the neighborhood, the good of wherever God has you. The Hebrew word there is seek the shalom of the city, shalom of the city. And there is so much tied up in that Hebrew word shalom that, man, our English can't really do it justice. Um, but a lot of what's tied up in that idea is, is peace and wholeness of the city. And the restoration and wholeness and peace and all those things are tied up in that idea of shalom. And he says, man, that's what I want you to seek for the city. The wholeness of the city, the restoration of the city, the good of the city, the peace of the city. Uh, that wherever God has you, man, engage that community and try to make it better. Try to make it better. And so as you look around on campus, okay, man, there's some things about the campus I love. There's some things about the campus that are not too great. But instead of complaining about it, God, how do you want to use me to make it better? Right? I love Memphis. I think God's given me a special heart for Memphis. I love the city. I just do. Um, but you look around, is there things that Memphis needs to work on? Yeah. Yes, every city does. Um, but, but God can give you, give you that heart that you want to seek the good of your city. Uh, that when you see a problem, you're not just going to complain about, like, man, this city, that's not it. I need to move to, to Rome or somewhere where they got it going on. I don't know if this one stuck with me because I also would like to go there. Uh, I, need, I need to move somewhere else where there's not problems. Like, there's no such city on earth, right? Until King Jesus comes and it, it's new heaven, new earth, every city's going to have problems. But saying, how can I make a difference here and not just complain? And not just be like, man, where I grew up was better than this. But, but say, okay, this is where you got me, God. How can I make it better? How can I love people? How can I meet the needs of the people around me? I mean, how, how can I change things? What, what organizations can I partner with? Um, man, what, what is Kyle doing? What are some other churches doing? What are some other organizations doing that are for the good of the city, the good of the people in the city, really make a difference? Um, again, I'm not just passing through. I'm not just here to get my degree and then and Memphis is on its own. I don't really care what happens to Memphis. No, God has you here. Engage. Engage with the community. Engage with your dorm, your roommates, the people in your apartment, people in your class, even the class you don't like your biology lab partners, right? Whoever God has you, engage with them, connect with them, uh, love them, pray for them. Um, But the warning is also, however, in this engagement of the culture, make sure you don't assimilate, right? There's a line to walk. And that's number three, is to respectfully resist 
the unbiblical values of the culture. Yes, we want to engage the culture. We want to connect with people. We want to build relationships, build deep friendships with people. Really love them well like Jesus loved us well. May share the hope of the gospel with them. Um, May share the freedom we found in Christ with them. Um, But also, part of engaging the culture is we cannot celebrate everything this culture celebrates. Right? There's some things that this culture gets real excited about. To be honest, can you see Jesus getting real excited about? Right? Um, Some things this culture is like, oh, man, I got a tweet about this. I got a... a TikTok about this. I've got to Snapchat about this. I've got to make sure everyone knows about this. And I got to go, wow, can you believe this moment? Can you believe this happened? Um, But can you see Jesus like getting real hyped for that? Because if you can't, man, maybe that's something we shouldn't be celebrating as well. There are things we can celebrate in the culture for sure. I mean, there are good things that are universally good that that give glory to God and and say, man, this is awesome. I'm I'm hype about it. Right. Um, a, a good good plate of Memphis barbecue, right? I think I think that's on that list, right? Um, man, man, a, a great a great basketball season, man, that we can get excited about. And there, there's stuff that's good and positive that we can get hype about that's not right sinful, right? I don't have to spell it out for you, um, but, but let's not celebrate the things God wanted. But instead, we need to, uh, while we are here as exiles, man, man, respectfully resist the things in this culture that are unbiblical, that don't honor God. To engage to a point, make this place your home, but remember, it's not your true home. And I don't mean because you're going to go settle in Jamaica or wherever else. No, this is not your true home in the sense that your true home, the moment you put your trust in Jesus, is forever in heaven with God. And this time here on earth is brief, it's fleeting, and this is not our home, though. This is not our home. Philippians 3.20 says it this way, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, again, the moment that you put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you, uh, you became a citizen of heaven, right? You belong to God. You're welcomed into his family as a son, as a daughter. You've got a seat at his table. You've got a room in his house. Uh, your citizenship is now with him forever. When this life on earth is over, you'll be forever in heaven with God. Uh, eternity there versus a, a fleeting 70, 80, 90 years, some of you guys 100 because y'all are real healthy. Uh, however long you have here is fleeting. And so we need to live that way. Like, okay, yes, I want to engage this city, love this city, um, but also realize my ultimate home is forever in heaven with God. And my ultimate allegiance is going to be to God. And I want to make sure that he's pleased with how I'm living, how I'm engaging. Um, you know, we live in the world, but we don't belong to the world. So our values should reflect the kingdom of God, right? Our values should reflect the kingdom of our true home. Let's continue. Verse 10, we're we're back in Jeremiah's letter. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, 70 years, I'll come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, right? Jeremiah's writing from Jerusalem. I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem. It won't be next week. It won't be next year. It won't be two years, three years from now. It's going to be 70 years. And some of you guys will be dead, and, uh, but your grandkids, your kids are going to come and enjoy this. But it's God's promise to them to give them hope. This is not forever. It's not forever. Y'all aren't just going to be slaves and captives forever. No, I, God, even in this, still has a plan. He still has a purpose. Even though this is a judgment on them for their idolatry, unfaithfulness, and sin, God still had a purpose in it that was redemptive. And we're going to see, we're going to see what that is. So it says, after that 70 years is completed, I'm going to come to you and fulfill my good promise and bring you right back to this place. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
Their plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. He says, I'm going to bring you back. This judgment is for a time, and I have a purpose in it, but it will come to an end, and I'm going to bring you back home. But in this season, man, let it be redemptive, right? None of y'all were trying to live in Babylon, but let it be that wake-up call moment of, God, I'm so sorry. Man, we deserve this. We screwed up. We sinned. We served idols, even though you warned us not to through multiple prophets. Man, man, we turned away from you again and again. Let it be that wake-up call, that rock bottom, like, God, I'm so sorry, where you turn back to the Lord, because his promises here, when you seek him, what are you going to do? You're going to find him. God says, when you seek me, you're going to find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Like God, even though he is judging them, is still in love with them and wants to be found and known by them. He says, remember, I've got a plan for your life, right? Even in the midst of this, even in the midst of where you don't want to be in exile, in captivity, I've still got a plan for your life. And it's still for your good to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. And so thinking that way, okay, God, you've got me here in this place I don't want to be. And you say it's for my good somehow. And also I should be living for the good of the people around me in this place you have me where I don't want to be. God has a redemptive plan for wherever he has you in this season. Wherever he has you, do not catch him by surprise. Right? Whatever situation you find yourself in, that situation may even be a consequence of your own man, sin, stupidity, whatever. Right? Man, I've definitely found myself in many of those situations where I screwed up big. Right? I got no one to blame but myself. God can still even use that. Right? He can make all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even man, our boneheaded mistakes end us up in really stupid situations that are complicated. I've got to figure this out, and it's on my own fault. God can still work even in that. There's still hope even in that. God can still be redemptive even in the midst of that. And so our fourth point here after we said to make the city your home, seek the good of the city, respectfully resist. The last one is to live as ambassadors. An ambassador has a different perspective, okay? They're somewhere, and it's not their home, but they're there for a reason, right? Like the, if we'll say we've got an ambassador in Italy, right? So he's kicking it into Rome, but he's a United States citizen, but he's our ambassador to Italy, and he finds himself there, and he knows, okay, I'm here, but, but I'm here for a very specific reason, a very specific purpose, for him, it's to represent the interests of the United States among the Roman people and the, and the, the Italian government there. Um, but you guys know the Bible calls you ambassadors as well. So we said that the moment you put your trust in Jesus, your citizenship is forever where? Forever in heaven with God. And then in the season that we're here on this earth, and it's a brief one, you are here as an ambassador, a representative of that foreign kingdom. And so you've got people around you and they don't know God, right? They don't know the king, right? They don't know anything about him. They're not trying to know him, certainly not trying to obey him or love him. But in this season, God has you here on this earth. You are living as an ambassador representing a foreign kingdom and a foreign king and his interests among the people and sharing, man, you got to know how good my king is, right? My king is so good. You're not going to believe it. And sharing that with the people around you. So we're looking here at the Israelite uh, exiles, man, the people that, that went into Israel, I'm uh, sorry, from Israel into Babylon, into captivity. But several times throughout the New Testament, Christians are referred to as exiles 
as well, exiles, God's people scattered throughout the earth. James 1.1 calls us this. 1 Peter 1.1 calls us this. It says, as the children of God, we've also been scattered. As Christians, we've also been scattered throughout the earth. We're exiled. Maybe we're not a place that we were trying to be, but okay, here we are. Well, he, the New Testament encourages us to see yourself there as an ambassador, as a light, as a missionary. Okay, God, you've got me here for a reason, a redemptive reason, both for my good and the good of the people around me. Jesus was the ultimate embodiment of this, leaving the comfort of heaven to live among us, right? I can imagine if I'm for all eternity past kicking it in heaven, in God's presence, right, and, and, and enjoying, heaven's going to be awesome, right? And, and, and that's, that's, that's what I've known, and the idea of I'm going to step out of that and become a human being, right, and live on this earth where there is suffering and pain and difficulty and Man, especially for Jesus. We read the story of Jesus, and he endured betrayal. Uh, and he endured um, and being, being tortured and even brutally murdered, humiliated. Um, and he can relate to anything we've suffered, anything we've gone through. Man, Jesus can relate to. He, he understands that. But he left heaven for that, right? He left heaven for that. So he can understand being in a place that, hey, this is maybe not the place that I would pick. This is maybe not the best place for me to be. Um, but, but because he man, loved the Father, uh, wanted to fulfill the, the Father's will of redeeming mankind back to himself, he said, okay, I'll do it. And he had the right attitude. Um, and, and that's for us as well, man, to have that attitude. Okay, God, you've got me here. And let it be for your glory. Let it be for your kingdom. Let it be for your purposes. Use me in that way. And that's what Jesus did even to the point of laying down his own life for us, even dying a death on the cross for us so that we could be made right with God. Even though all of us, like the Israelites, have sinned, have turned to idolatry, have done things we knew we were not supposed to do, times we've been prideful, times we've been selfish, times we hurt ourselves, hurt other people, what the Bible calls sin, and, and it's put us at odds with a, a good and loving and holy God. God loved you too much to leave you that way. Do you know that? God loved you too much to leave you trapped and in bondage to sin. And so he sent his son Jesus, man, to die on the cross to take that punishment that I deserve, that we all deserve for everything we've done wrong, to take it on himself so that God can extend us grace and mercy and forgiveness instead. Um, the good news of the gospel is after dying on the cross, Jesus didn't stay dead, right? That three days later, he rose from the dead, appearing to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving that he was who he says he was, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. Um, and then he ascended to heaven with the promise that one day he's coming back for us. And those of us that have put our trust in him, that are, that are following Jesus, that have been made right with God because we put our hope in Jesus and what he did on the cross, man, we are now here as his representatives, his ambassadors, however long he has us here, right? If that's 70 years, cool. That would put me at, we don't have to say how old, 70 more years, right? Or if it's just 70 more minutes, right? Because Jesus comes back tonight. Hey, come on home. I'm done. I'm done with all this. Come on home. Right? We don't know, but however long God has you here, even if this is not where you were trying to be, then you get to live as an ambassador, a light to the people around you and see God's purposes, how he wants to use you to bless this city, to bless this campus, to bless your roommate, to bless your biology lab partner who's a knucklehead, but man, still needs the Lord, right? Last verse we're going to look at. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You know, just like Jesus, living as exiles among the people who may not know God gives us an opportunity to be a light to them, to represent God to them. And in this sense, we're not just exiles, but ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Is this the heart you have for the people around you, the people around you that are lost and far from God? Does your heart burn with, with those last 
a few words. Man, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. I mean, there is such a better life that you can have that's not caught up in these cycles of self-destruction we get, we get pulled into and drama and nonsense and garbage that, that just end up hurting us or hurting others. God has better for you than that. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Can you embrace that identity of, man, I'm going to be Christ's ambassadors. For what it's worth, Calpha gets its name uh, inspired, by, inspired by this verse here, that idea of being Christ's ambassadors, Christ's sent ones, uh, is where the, the name Chi Alpha comes from. So if you ever wonder, what's, what's Chi Alpha about? What's that name about? We just take those first two Greek letters from those Greek words uh, of, of Christ's ambassadors, Christ's sent ones, and we embrace that identity of we're going to be God's ambassadors, man, here on the college campus. Just pleading with people, hey, be reconciled to God. Hey, let me share the hope I found in Jesus with you. Let's look back at verse 11 and 12. As we look at the end of this letter to the exiles, man, God closes it with a promise. Remember, the people are there in captivity as a judgment for their own sin. They didn't want to be there. They didn't choose to be there. I'm sure they were discouraged to hear it was going to be 70 more years, right? No one was getting hyped for that. Um, They're going to remain exiled, not just two or three years like the false prophets were saying, but 70 more years. Most of them would die and never see their home again. Some of you may be really discouraged with where God has you as well. I don't know all the situations that are going on in your life. Some of it may be physical. Some of it may be situational, other stuff, emotional, mental, financial, relational. You may be real discouraged with where God has you. You're saying, God, please don't let it be 70 years. But you're not, you're not trying to be where you're at. And you would say, God, I don't want to be here. I just want out of this situation. I want, I want different. I want to change. I don't even know what different would be, but, but I can't take this anymore. God encourages his people in verse 11 saying, this, even this, is for your good. Because God's sovereign. God's in control, and he can make it work for your good. You may not want to be here. You may not want to be in this situation, but even this... God can work for your good. That God's plan is to bless you, not to harm you. He's a good father who knows how to take good care of his children. His plan is never to harm you, but always to to, to bless you, uh, to favor you, to love you. And again, the ultimate way that he does that is to draw you back to himself. Even in times of judgment, right? Even when the consequences of us screwing up have caught up with this, right? And we're in a mess of our own making, that God can work even in that for your good, again, it might be one of those rock bottom experiences where you're like, God, man, I, I blew it. I see now how much I need you. Please have mercy on me. Please forgive me. You guys know he does every single time that his grace is always going to be so much bigger than our failures, and our mistakes. Every time you come, you confess, God, I need you. Please have mercy on me. Please forgive me. Uh, he washes you clean. He scoops you up in his loving arms every single time. But you can't exhaust his mercy. You can't out his grace. Amen. Even in judgment, because God loves you, he's going to make it work for your good, as well as the good of Babylon or whatever that situation you find yourself is in. God's purpose in judgment and discipline is not just to punish sin, but also to restore us to himself. He knew that for many of them, the judgment of exile, that living in a foreign land, would be that wake-up call, that rock-bottom experience they needed to realize just how far they were from the Lord. They'd have that desire to return to him and to them, he gives the promise, when you seek me, when you hit that rock bottom place, you're like, oh God, I blew it and I need you. He says, I'll be here. I'll be here. You'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Um, And so man, let's be encouraged 
by that as well. Again, for those of us that are in a situation we don't want to be in, um, and we find ourselves in a place that's like, man, I'm not trying to be here. Uh, man, let's say, okay, God, what are you wanting to do through this, though? Because I believe you when you say it's for my good. I believe that you've got a plan in it. And maybe it is so I can be a light to the people around me, or I can be that ambassador to the people around me. Maybe it is I'm in the middle of a problem because you want me to seek the shalom, the good of the city, and, and be part of the solution to that problem and, and, and transform a difficult situation and make it better uh, because my fate is intertwined with the city's fate, right? So if I make the city better, I might enjoy it a little more, right? Uh, and also it's going to be an example of God's goodness to the people around me. People can come to know Jesus, amen? We're never going to influence uh, a people or a place if we're just seeing ourselves as like a tourist just passing through, right? If, it's, if we're just looking at the next thing, man, once I get this degree, once I get out of here, man, I can't, can't wait to get out of this city. Man, I can't wait to move out of this storm. If we're, if we're always living there, you're never going to influence the people around you. You're not going to be able to make a difference. But if instead you're like, okay, God, you got me here for a season, however long it is, would you use me in this season? Would you use me help me to seek the good of the people around me in this place you got me, the situation you got me, uh, and help me to embrace it, even though I wasn't trying to even be here. Help me to embrace it and embrace your plan in it. And God, use it. Make it redemptive. Make it redemptive in me. God, would you help me to become more godly in the midst of this? Uh, help me to draw closer to you, increase my faith, increase my ability to trust you, and also use me to encourage and bless the people around me and share Jesus with them as well. I'd like to pray for us uh, about a few different things. Um, I, I'd like to pray that God would help us with that. It's an issue of perspective, and sometimes that's really tough to change. We need God's help, amen? We need the help of the Holy Spirit to shift our perspective, to renew our minds, to change the way we view the circumstances we have ourselves in. For so long, we've been like, man, I just hate this, I hate this, I want out, I want out, I want out. Um, and, and to say, okay, God, but until you get me out, how do you want to use me here? It's going to be a radical change of perspective. But I believe he wants to do that. Would you guys stand? We're going to take some time and pray. So we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray that God would, would use us. We pray for God's encouragement. Um, man, a big theme in this letter to the exiles was to give them hope, was to encourage them. Say, so yes, it's going to be a while, but still have hope. Uh, some of you guys are in a place where, man, I just need hope. I just need hope. I'm real down. I'm real discouraged. Uh, I, I need God's hope to strengthen me, to see me through this season, however long it may be. I need, I need the hope of God. I feel kind of hopeless, and you appreciate prayer for that. And the other thing I want to pray for is, is, man, some of you guys came away from Tennessee Breakaway, and we talked about intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with the Father, intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and, and wanting to see the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Uh, and you say, man, I, I just want more of God in that way. I want to receive all that God has for me. Maybe you heard about, man, people talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's something you've never asked God for, but you want people to pray with you for that tonight. So, I mean, I, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so I can be that bold witness for God so that I can man, love my neighbors and, and love the people around me and be a bright light to them. And not in my own strength, not my own ability, but full of the Holy Spirit. I would love to pray for people tonight for that as well. Amen. Can we do that? So I didn't think this part through about music. Um, I'm going to connect. I'll, I'll, get, I'll just put on some instrumental music. It'll be chill. Um, and, and I'm about you guys to come and pray down here. For again, any, any of those three things, if you'd like special prayer, like the staff to lay hands on you and pray, you can let them know, hey, I'm really responding to this. Um, we would love to pray with you for these next few minutes. Amen. If you just want to pray in your seat and pray for the people that come forward, that, that's cool as well. Um, but Father God, we love you.
Uh, we trust you, and thank you for the encouragement of your word, these words that are timeless, that, that were sent to encourage uh, the Babylonian captives. God would, would encourage us as well. God, you have a plan. Uh, you have a purpose. Um, and God, we can trust you. God, you're good. God, you're good. God, you're good. God, you're good, and we trust you. Father, I pray that you would uh, encourage students in the middle of their situations. We've got such a variety of different difficulties. We've got one thing we have in common. We're all going through something. We're all in the midst of something, God, that we need your help. We need your grace. We need your encouragement, God. God, would you renew our minds, transform our attitudes, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, give us the right perspective, God. Uh, that we want to hate where you've got us, God, but we'd learn even to love it and seek the good of this place that you have us in and see what your plan is in it, how you want to use us in the midst of it, God. Help us to be a bright light for you, an ambassador for you. Use us to lead people to Christ, God, the people around us, even the people that get on our nerves. God, use us, use us to love them and seek their good and share Jesus with them, God. And Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. It would be that, that, that strength to us, that, that boldness for us, God. That we'd be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit and have the empowerment of your Spirit uh, every step of the way. We're just going to take some time in praying. And if you're wanting to respond, you want a special prayer, want us to uh, pray and agree with you for any of those things. We're going to be down here these next few moments. We'd love to pray for you.